Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back. You, you do it. No, I don't, do I'd it. have the rights to do you that. Do it. You're the lead. You do it. You're in charge. You do it. No, you start. You say. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to What on Earth. This is a sustainability podcast where we look at the past, present and future of a different environmental issue. My name's Sarah. And I'm Ross. And today we're going to be looking at denim. Jeans! Exactly! We're going to be finding out why denim can be bad for the environment and what we can do about it. But also how it can be sustainable too, right? Yeah, because they can last a super long time if you buy the right pair of jeans. Okay, cool. So let's start off in the past. You're going to shoot off. I'm going to get on my trusty jean zipper back to the 1800s (laughs) to find out where jeans came from. Love it. I'll see you in a bit. Bye. Now, the story of denim as we know it really starts in 1851, when a guy named Lob Strauss left his home of Budenheim in Germany to head for New York. After working in his brother's textile shop for a few years and changing his name from Lob to Levi, he headed west to San Francisco during the California Gold Rush. There he set up his own branch of the family shop, which he called Levi Strauss and Company. The kind of denim that they sold was sturdy. It was for workers. It had copper rivets that enforced the pockets. It became really popular with miners because they could put their tools in it without the pockets breaking. It basically became the uniform of workmen in the new frontier of America. At the time, jeans were still mainly worn by the working classes. And if you were rich, you would probably still be in a suit. But all of that was about to change. In the 1920s and 30s, when old-style Hollywood westerns were taking cinema by storm, they put their heroes John Wayne and Gary Cooper in old-fashioned blue jeans. And it wasn't just for men. All too soon, everybody was wearing them after actresses like Ginger Rogers were photographed wearing jeans. In the 1930s, Vogue officially dubbed jeans Western Chic. But even then, jeans weren't necessarily a part of the everyday wardrobe. In the 1950s, they became synonymous with counterculture. James Dean's film Rebel Without a Cause came out in 1955, just one month after his death in a car accident. The film was hugely controversial. It was a portrait of youth in the 1950s. It wasn't allowed to be shown in full in the UK until like 10 years later in the 60s. And James Dean swiftly rose to an icon status, popularising the image of blue jeans and anti-establishment cool. After the movie came out, jeans were even banned in some schools in America because people thought they were too provocative. Then, throughout the 60s and 70s, rock and roll stars, hippies and anti-war protesters all claimed jeans as a uniform. In 1976, Calvin Klein became the first ever designer to show jeans on a runway, and the humble blue jeans transformation from workwear to high fashion was complete. And since then, there's been a jean for every decade. Early 90s hip-hop fashion was categorised by low-slung baggy jeans. Early noughties pop stars had weird, super skinny hip grazers, and now there are jeans for every cult, subculture, and style. Now, around 7.5 billion feet of denim fabric is produced every single year. We are more in love with denim than ever before. But what does our obsession with jeans mean for the environment? I'm going to jump back on my zipper to the present uh, to meet Ross and Kirsty to find out a little bit more about the impact that denim has on the environment. Hi, Kirsty. Hi, Sarah. Kirsty works with us at Hubbub. Uh, she's come to talk to us about the environmental problems with denim because she works on our fashion team and she has the know-how. 
So can you tell me what is going on? What's the problem? So denim is a hugely resource and chemical intensive uh, fabric to create to start with. And we are creating a whopping two billion pairs annually. Two billion pairs of jeans. Yes, which is a very resource intensive process to start with to make that many. And in general with fashion, we're just not really cherishing or looking after what we have enough. So we're throwing away 11 million items of clothing every week into landfill. Into the bin. Yeah, into the bin. And considering a lot of those are obviously denim and how much goes into making it to start with, it's just very sad that we're Um, throwing so much away. Why are we throwing them away? Why aren't we like keeping these jeans in our cupboards forever? I think in general, our approach to fashion and the culture around fashion is just a throwaway. Um, we're, We're a throwaway society and we're not cherishing what we have. We're not caring for what we've got we aren't necessarily looking after what we've got well enough either. And a great way around that is to buy a second hand. Mm-hmm. Which we'll come on to a little bit later when we talk about the what we can do. But yes. in terms of the actual environmental impacts, what is it? Why is it so resource intensive? So that's largely because of how um, much water is needed to create one pair of jeans to mm-hmm. start with, which is because jeans are made from cotton, which is a very thirsty crop. So around seven to 10,000 litres of water go into making just one pair of jeans. I can't really picture what 10,000 litres of water looks like. A lot. Years and years and years of drinking water for one person, which I think you've spoken about in previous episodes. We have. With the RLC. Episode four of series one. Yes. What's the problem with cotton? You can go and find out a little bit more about it. Um, so yeah, it's very water intensive to grow the crop to start with that is then uh, weaved into the jeans later down the line. But it's not just water usage. Um, it's also the chemicals that are used to create the jeans as well, which starts in the field with pesticide use. Mm-hmm. So cotton needs protecting basically in the fields and farmers use pesticides, which are sort of highly toxic mixes of chemicals to protect the crops from weeds, diseases and insects so they get a good return on what they're growing. But obviously those pesticides are also ending up in the field and on the soil and damaging the rest of these surrounding environment as well as the farmers who are coming into contact with them. Yeah, I can't imagine that they like selectively kill just the insect that no, they want to kill. No, no, like, no. Like, That's a blanket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bad chemical. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Um But it's not just the pesticide use, it's also the dyeing process, which is very chemically intensive as well. So that sort of requires big vats of water and indigo synthetic dye, Mm -hmm. which used to be more natural. You can use a natural indigo dye, but... Not a lot of people do. No, in majority it's a synthetic dye because it's cheaper. So our jeans are sort of dipped into big vats of water and dye to get them just the right shade that everybody likes. And then... Sadly, all of that water is often discharged directly into waterways. Mm. Um, and they are waterways that people are washing themselves in and often drinking out of as well. So they are synthetic chemicals going directly into into waterways that people are using and, and living I, on. I imagine if those factories were in England, that water would be would have to legally be cleaned before it went back into a waterway so yeah. that people wouldn't be drinking loads of chemicals. Yes, yeah. so there's no there's no cleaning process a lot of the time. It is discharged directly into the water. And that is because a lot of those factories that produce denim are in places like Bangladesh, China, India. They just have very little regulatory oversight to start with, partly because they can't afford to and the systems just aren't in place. Um, but they're UK brands and sort of global brands that are using these factories. So chances are the denim that we wear will be made directly from these factories to start with. And do you think brands are like exploiting that lack of regulation, meaning that they can 
make jeans for cheaper. Yeah, and brands will try and cover their back and say that they do audits and they do checks, but when there are so many middlemen along these processes, it's very hard to actually know what's happening mm -hmm. on the other side of the world. Um, and there's a town in southern China called Xintang, which is the denim capital of the world, and they produce one in three of the jeans that we sell and buy globally. And in that area, there's been so much sort of discharge of this water into the waterways that satellite images are literally showing the waters turning blue from how much is how much dye is going into them. Wow. So it's a really bad issue. It's very bad. That's so scary. And that's just because mm. we want a specific colour of blue for yeah. our jeans. Yeah, basically. What and does natural what does natural uh, denim look like, by the way? It's the inside. If you turn in the inside of your jeans you see the white. Oh. If you it's just that colour, the not dyed yeah. colour. The so, white. So denim is made from white cotton thread and indigo dyed thread that is then weaved together. So then if you go onto processes that make them more distressed, that's why the colour then starts to fade. And obviously why they fade uh, over time anyway, because half of the sort of fabric has been dyed. So a lot of the time we buy them, or they get made, then they get dyed to be darker. And then they get some, around. some people want a distressed look. Yeah, this so, is the other thing. So then we do another process after the dyeing. Yeah. To make so, them a different colour oh again. Oh my gosh, we're yeah. the worst. <laughs> so there's another phase which obviously requires even more chemicals and uh, energy and water again. So sandblasting is probably the worst. Um, it requires the workers holding a handheld gun um, and literally physically blasting sand on the jeans to create the various sort of distressed looks mm -hmm. and the faded um, dye. Um, and that literally means people are just breathing in all of the sand and the particles and those particles are also going off into the air and polluting. And is that so we can have that weird naughty like acid wash That's style? That's it. Because maybe yeah. that should just go. die. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't look good then. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't and, look good now. <laughs> and acid wash is a, is a whole other process as well that literally just requires acid on jeans. So That's another process that creates a distressed look. And sandblasting is slowly phasing out as countries are mm -hmm. banning it but there was an investigation in 2015 that showed that workers in China were still doing that process for high street brands okay so it does still exist so what is the answer if I still want jeans that have like I understand why people would like a nice worn look on their jeans so how do I get it and not go through all of those bad environmental processes second hand because it'll already be done for you. Whether it, mm. whether the process itself did happen on those pair of jeans or whether they've just been worn in by someone. Um, the jeans I'm wearing are Levi's. They're lovely. Which, thanks. And I've had them for about six years, um, but they were secondhand to start with. So they already had that faded look because someone had worn them in mm -hmm. and loved them before me. So when, when there are so many um, chemicals and sort of quantities of water and and polluting materials going into the creation of genes, the best thing we can do is just to buy secondhand because we negate all of the other issues of buying a brand new pair of genes, which then comes with all of these very bad factors. And I'm assuming you can get better quality because if I buy, I don't know, a pair of jeans from the high street for like 20 quid or I buy a secondhand pair of jeans for 20 quid, the secondhand pair is probably going to be proper cotton and not have yeah. any elastic yeah. in it. Especially if they're from sort of a well-known brand or an older brand because they are making them to last and a lot of them would have been made as workwear um, as opposed to sort of the lower end of the high street that can churn them out for around £13 with elastane in, um, which one, it can lose its shape when the elastane breaks down 
and two, it makes it harder to recycle. Um, elastane is a plastic. It's not a raw material. It won't biodegrade. It'll be left there if those genes are left in the ground for 100 years. And mixing the fibres then makes it harder later down the line to recycle them, as do all of the sort of add-ons, the fastenings, the zips, the buttons. Mm. They're all things that have to be physically removed before those genes can be recycled. So it's the best thing to do... So to buy secondhand, but then is it also good to buy something that's 100% cotton and doesn't have anything else mixed into it? Yeah. So non-blended fabrics, fully natural fabrics, are always the best. And then I'm not going to get weird like baggy pockets and elasticless knees and yes. all the other horrible yeah. things. And you also don't really need to wash your jeans. So the CEO of Levi's recently said that he doesn't wash his jeans. Um, and that's because... They just aren't really the sort of material that needs to be washed. So if you do have a stain or a mark, you can spot wash it, use a toothbrush on it, just give it a scrub. You don't need to put it through a full cycle in a washing machine, which obviously uses water in itself Mm -hmm. and it damages the gene and reduces the quality of the fabric and it will make the dye not last as long. So you can freeze them, that kills the bacteria, Mm. Um, air dry them and spot wash them as a way of sort of um, protecting them and making them last. A so bit we can be really lazy. Yeah, not it's a wash great our excuse. Often. Yeah, just to be lazy. I think the thing that I've learned from this as well is that, like, I thought like stone washed and acid washed and sandblasted were just like nice terms that they yeah. use to like sell the jeans. But no, that's actually what they're doing. There's some yeah. poor worker out there shoving a load of jeans in a machine with some rocks or Bashing you know, them around. It's weird that they didn't think of a different name than acid wash. Like it's quite it doesn't sound lovely, does <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, I never really thought about it before. It's quite rock and roll, though, isn't it? It is a little bit rock and roll, <laughs> but it's not rock and roll. It's rubbish because it's bad Thank for the you. environment. <laughs> Just get raw denim, right? Can you get raw denim? Uh, I don't know if you'd want to wear raw denim necessarily because you'd do. want it to be dyed. Why? Well. Unless you don't want it to be dyed. <laughs> yeah, why can't we just start the revolution now? But then I guess um, we also dye denim white. We have white denim. And we dye <laughs> cotton white in the first place. So like we cotton, bleach it, yeah. yeah. Cotton doesn't come out. like It'd be an off-cream colour, yeah. maybe, if it wasn't bleached. Cool, let's all rock around in off-cream jeans. I'm, I'm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> so if I am going into a shop and I want to buy a new pair of jeans, what do I need to look out for for something that's going to last a really long time and also be good for the environment? Um, so if you're buying new jeans, um, you need to look whether the seams are all in line, whether the buttons are fastened correctly, whether the zip is lining up and working and not catching. Um, often if they have another button inside, that's a sign of good quality because they're wanting you to keep those pair of jeans and they think that they can last. I think a lot of the time brands know mm. how long their clothes will last and I think adding in a button means that they know that you are going to be getting another wear out of them. Um so that's a good sign to look for. Okay, good. Also, yeah. brands like Nudie and Levi's have a, mm-hmm. uh, a fixing service, don't they? Yeah, take so service. If, if you're buying from a brand that, that has a service that when your jeans wear out, you know they're going to fix them, they've probably made them to last. Yeah. I, also, I walked past Gap the other day and they had an embroidery service in their window where you could go in and have like cute. your like name sewed onto the back nice. of your jeans or That's like nice. cute little pattern sewed onto Very your nice. pocket. Get a little flower on the back. Yeah. I think it would be like encourage people to, I don't know, if you love something and you want to yeah. keep it forever. And if you do have a pair of jeans that maybe the bottoms are fraying or there's a tear and you don't not loving the vibe of the tear, then upcycle them, turn them into shorts, um, roll them up, patch them. Patching is easy. And I guess this is a really little version of the problem with the entire fashion industry, that we're buying too much, not looking after it, and then just chucking it away afterwards. Yeah, exactly. A a classic. 
classic. It's classic us, isn't it? Just overproducing, overconsuming. Well, thank you for giving us all of the facts. We, me and Ross, are going to take a trip into the future to find out how we can make these more sustainable and what the world might look like with sustainable denim. Maybe we'll all be wearing raw denim. Ross hopes so. I'm in. I'm into it. (laughs) Sold. Um, So I'm Jill. I'm a sustainability advocate and blogger. I have a blog, which is also my name, so jillcarrara.com. I wanted to ask you how you got into sustainable fashion and why you're interested in it. Um, So I was working in the fashion industry for a couple of years. Um, Always thought I was going to go down kind of the Devil Wears Prada route, working in a magazine. (gasps) You could be Anne Hathaway walking across the street in New York in all the different outfits. Yeah, well, that was my idea, but then turns out not that glamorous um, in real life. And you're kind of sitting in mountains of clothes doing returns after shoots and mountains of clothes trying to sell people clothes that they don't really want or really need. Um, Obviously, huge amounts of waste and production. And I just basically that was in my uni days as well. So I started researching a little bit more on my own what where all these clothes came from and who made them. And obviously came across uh, across the True Cost movie and. Um, some really amazing resources like Lucy Siegel's books and then from there I just couldn't really turn back and I literally have never met anyone that after watching The True Cost has gone back to shopping on the high street every week so I think there's yeah that's just basically how it went. (laughs) And what would you say to those people who haven't gone down that journey yet and maybe think that Shopping on the high street is normal and something that they wouldn't be able to turn away from because the other alternative is too expensive. I think there's definitely um, an element of sustainable fashion being too expensive. If you look at sustainable fashion brands, they have a higher price point, but that's not so much that they're trying to be more expensive, but because we're so used to the high street brand being so, so cheap. And obviously that comes at a cost. Um, So there's definitely like, a shift in mindset that we need to do there as well but if anyone of course has a budget and needs to save money then definitely going to charity shops is the way because you can find things for only a couple of quid and to be honest most of them still have the tags on which I always find really shocking (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's people just like throw away things that they or not give away things that they've never worn me and Ross having a conversation Last week, we were talking about a lot of people ask me, what's the thing that I need to buy to be more sustainable? And actually, the answer is nothing. Nothing. (laughs) Don't buy anything. (laughs) You can't really buy your way out of the problem. Yeah. Which I think applies to denim, but applies to a lot of the things that we're speaking about. Yeah, for sure. You can't buy your way out of it. No way. (laughs) It's basically about consuming less and then, you know, just having the few items that you really love and then all the rest finding other ways to to wear. So whether that's renting or swapping or just borrowing from a friend or, you know, reimagining your own closet if you want to upcycle or anything like that as well. I think for denim, it's almost one of the easier items just because as soon as you walk into any vintage store or secondhand shop you always find a pair of denim or like a whole bunch of (laughs) denim to be honest (laughs) and it's kind of any kind you know in vintage stores you can find more the the old Levi's jeans and then in secondhand stores or charity shops you can find you know all the kind of high street denim and sometimes even with tags on uh, for a couple of pounds only. And do you think that people are getting 
more used to the idea of sharing and buying secondhand and renting because I think, I don't know, maybe a few years ago it wouldn't be a cool thing to do to buy something from a secondhand shop. Yeah, I think definitely a few years ago, basically having always the newest thing was the cool thing. And even if you would go to school, you'd be like, oh, she has the new top or the new, you know, <laughs> cut denim and that kind of thing. And now I feel like there's been a huge shift. And even if we're just looking at influencers, for example, they're kind of constantly wearing new outfits in their posts. But one thing that all of them always say is that they have like a great pair of vintage denim that they always rewear. Mm. Um, and then there's there's just really interesting companies like Redone who are basically taking old peer, pairs of Levi's and kind of tailoring them together and making new designs with them. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, a bit of a higher price point than, you know, your charity shop find, but still quite good. If you want an investment piece, you yeah, can go for that, yeah. Exactly, and I guess if you're a bit more trend-driven and want a piece that's kind of a bit more cool. Um, But uh, yeah, I definitely think so. And what can people do other than just going to a charity shop or going to a vintage shop? What are the other ways that we can access denim without having to buy a new thing? Um, Swapping is always a good one. If you have a pair of um, jeans that you don't want anymore, you can kind of give them away. And there's lots of clothes swaps going on, especially around the festive season. I've said this before, but we have in our office a clothes swap rail that just sits there all year round. So there's a rail, you just go and leave anything you want and then at some point somebody will take it and it's so nice. This jumper is from there. You can't see it, people listening, but it's white. It's really nice. (laughs) It's a roll neck and it's lovely. Uh, And it was free. I just like found it. It was a cold day and now I have a jumper. It's such a good idea. I don't know why I wasn't doing it for a million years beforehand. Okay, every office should do that if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) And what about renting? Because I've never actually tried renting I've read a lot about it and in theory it sounds like an amazing idea and I think that things are moving that way anyway but how does it actually work um so I've rented from an app called by rotation which is um a peer-to-peer app so you're basically renting from someone else quite similar to swapping um you're not renting from the brand itself um which is also more sustainable because they're not producing extra things just to rent them out Um, So basically how it works is that you make a profile on the app and then basically choose what you want to rent and simply message the lender and arrange when to meet, agree on the price and then decide how long you want to keep something for. Um, And so that's quite exciting because for the same price as something that you would get on a high street, you get something for really high quality that you can rent from someone else's closet. And how much is it if I wanted to rent a dress for a party, say, how much would it be? Um, there's anything listed from kind of five pounds upwards and then you can for example I'm just renting a party dress next weekend for 10 pounds for two days and it's like a beautiful Rixo sequin dress amazing so yeah so it's really amazing I was gonna ask my next question but I was thinking about the dress (laughs) (laughs) I can send you the link after (laughs) thank you please send me the link Um, and I guess actually you could do this for everything in your closet and it might change the entire way that we shop if you kind of look straight into the future yeah entirely I think I always say kind of you should have a good capsule wardrobe of things that you really love and that just make you feel like yourself and that are good quality and are going to last and you take care of and then anything on top you can you can rent because you don't really need to own them you don't really need like that sequin dress because you might only wear it to one party and might not want to re-wear it or 
you know, it might not even be your style and you're just trying to experiment or just want to have fun for once. Or maybe it's a theme party, so you just go full out. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And just for people at home who maybe the only denim that they've ever bought is like your classic high street. Mm. It's got a bit of elastic in and it gets weird and stretchy around the knees after (laughs) a little bit of time. But if you wanted to buy a really, really good pair of jeans, what would you look for when you were in a vintage shop or if you were swapping or renting something? Um, definitely fits probably the most. I think everyone's body is different, but also everyone has like a different style and like preference of what they want that denim to hug and not <laughs> hug. <laughs> the hunt for the perfect denim jeans is always a lifelong mission, but also part of the fun of it because you always no matter what vintage shop you walk by you have to go in and try on the Levi's or <laughs> it's just a must <laughs> yeah in terms of renting as well I think it, it's a good idea to kind of talk to the lender and ask them if you can try it on because especially if it's pants everyone's so different and um, they're usually quite open to that because they understand the problem as well I love that you can try and try before you rent yeah and definitely. then you don't spend a huge amount of money yeah it's and then deep. when you kind of meet your style match you can repeat rent from them <laughs> I feel like this is something that's happening quite slowly in fashion compared to everywhere else because Airbnb is now, I mean, I read literally read it in one of your blogs where you're saying you couldn't imagine going away without Airbnb. Now it's so normal. But I think with clothes, I definitely haven't quite got there yet. I can do secondhand and I can do vintage, but I haven't quite worked out how to do renting with clothes. And I was wondering if you think it's going to blow up and be as big as something like Airbnb. I definitely think so. I mean, if you break it down to what Airbnb actually is, it's sleeping in someone else's bed, which is almost more intimate than wearing someone else's clothes. So I think it's just about shifting people's perspectives and getting them to actually try it out just for fun or for a party and then seeing that it's actually not that weird and that the items are really beautiful and good quality, I think, especially. Um but yeah, it's, it's just that we need to shift kind of the consumer mindset around it and that will happen, but it's definitely going to blow up. And I guess the thing that people might be worried about is renting a really expensive pair of Levi's and then getting something down them or ruining them or staining them. What do you do in that situation? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think every platform probably has a different system in place. With by rotation, they basically work very similarly to Airbnb, where they leave it up to the renter and the lender to sort it out between each other. If it's if it's anything that they can sort out, if it's anything beyond, then they sort of get involved and mediate and. It just depends and they kind of do it on a case-by-case basis. Um, So what do you think the one thing that people should do if they want to dress more sustainably, but particularly with denim? Um, Buy less and start your lifelong mission for the perfect pair of vintage denim. (laughs) And where can people find out a little bit more about you and read your blog if they want to? Um, My blog is jillcarrar.com. So that's J-I-L-C-A-R-R-A-R-A.com. Sorry, it's an Italian name, so lots of R's. (laughs) It's beautiful. (laughs) And um, also the same name on Instagram, so at jillcarrara. That was great. That was so cool. But that's all we have time for. It's the end. That's it. That is it. Next week, we're going to be talking about Christmas. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's that time of year again. We're going to be finding out how to have a sustainable Christmas without being a Scrooge. Nice. Well, um, that sounds 
That sounds tricky. <laughs> it might be difficult. I think we're going to smash it, though. Uh, so come back next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Please and... do. I've noticed that the reviews have been sort of slipping. The listens have been going up, but the reviews have been slipping. Not in terms of, like, quality, but I just feel like you should review our podcast so and give it five stars. You're saying there are people who are listening and not answering our request of every week asking to give us a five-star review they've just seen behind the curtain there (laughs) no one's reviewing our podcast if you want to ask any questions you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook and genuinely do that as well i mean we say this every week but you can genuinely slide into our dms and ask us about sustainability issues what else have i got to do we've got like loads of professional sustainability experts at our disposal as well so if we don't know the answer we can probably just ask them we can so do hit us up on social media genuinely that's it we'll see you next week all right see you in a bit bye bye